In this episode of 2000 Books, Ian Ayers, professor at Yale School of Management, talks about how commitments can be used to fortify our willpower and how we can use our social networks to get the very best out of ourselves and a lot more on the idea of carrots and sticks. Well, hello. Hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books. Every Monday and Wednesday, we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs, books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, personal development, and much, much more. And I am your host, Manny Vaya. Dr. Ian Ayers is a lawyer and an economist and is a professor at Yale School of Law and the Yale School of Management. He's also the co-founder of stick.com, S-T-I-C-K-K.com, a website that helps you accomplish your goals. He has published 11 books, including the book we're talking about today, Carrots and Sticks, Unlock the Power of Incentives to Get Things Done. Ian, I'm really excited to have you on the show and talk about this really important topic. Welcome. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk about this topic because I have personally used stick.com, S-T-I-C-K-K.com, and I found it to be really useful. But at the same time, there are so many different variations of how we can use these principles, this principle. I'm really excited about this topic today. And uh, I want to start off by asking, uh, what, you know, what was your business story? What led you to writing this book? It's really started in, uh, in a uh, conversation I had with uh, Dean Carlin uh, in a rose garden here at, at Yale University. Uh, Dean uh, had the thought, uh, why not a commitment store, uh, an online platform where people could go and make commitments and, uh, and that the business would provide them with uh, various forms of support to help them stick to their goals, uh, whether it's losing weight or uh, making progress on a business plan uh, or exercising. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it really uh, started with this passion of Dean Carlin's uh, to use uh, commitment contracts to improve people's lives. That's great. And I think. Uh- as we as we find out in the book, as we as we discuss in the book, as you discuss in the book, uh, commitment contracts. Uh, let's maybe maybe we should explain this to people what commitment contracts are, and then we'll get into it. Sure. Uh, I, uh, what's really unique about a commitment contract is that you can put money at risk uh, that you forfeit uh, if you don't follow through on your goals. And at Stick dot com. Uh, it's kind of amazing to me, but people have put it uh, put at risk more than twenty five million dollars uh, on various contracts over over the years now. Twenty five million dollars over over the last what seven eight years now. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty amazing. So it's it's a contract. It's a contract we're getting into with ourselves or with other people, where we say, "I will accomplish this goal," and if I don't accomplish this goal, then I lose this money. That's right. And personally, I've uh, uh, put five hundred dollars uh, uh, a week at risk uh, if I don't lose weight or I don't uh, maintain a certain amount of weight loss. And uh, I'd prefer to keep the weight off than to uh, lose five hundred dollars. Have you lost it yet? I, I have, and you know, I I maintained this diet for uh, three years or so. 
And I've now gotten to a point that I don't have the $500 uh, diet on, but I'm still maintaining the weight loss. Uh, so I, uh, some, of, some of these contracts you can keep on forever, smoking contracts. Some you can turn on and off. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and some are really one-shot contracts, uh, such as its uh, commitment contract got me as a law professor finally to uh, get a will written. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah, definitely they do work. And now the question is, I think in a lot of our readers' minds is, uh, we're talking about an extrinsic motivation. We're talking about carrots and sticks. You know, we get uh, rewards if we do well, but if we don't do well, we get punished. Now, they work. Uh, the question that I really want to understand is, do they always work in all sorts of scenarios are or are they better suited for specific kinds of cases where it doesn't take that much cognitive thinking it's not that necessarily that complicated yeah they uh they don't always work uh only uh 80% uh, of our users uh give or take a little bit uh uh report success uh and so sometimes people don't need to make commitment contracts they don't have a problem with the uh, following through, uh, and sometimes when they have a, a problem in following through, it's too big a problem to be solved by a normal commitment contract. Uh, uh, and and sometimes you're going to want to make commitments over uh, inputs more than on results. So that uh, uh, I have a friend uh, who's a habitual overeater who said she would just be too scared uh, to lose money on a commitment contract, but she could uh, make a commitment to get on the scale once a day. Mm -hmm. uh, or you could make a commitment to study a certain number of hours, uh, even if you can't make a commitment to get an A on a test. Mm. And But you do argue in the book that the best commitment contracts are the ones that you're most scared to get into, right? They are, and there's this great trade-off between uh, those that are going to be most helpful to you and those that you're actually willing to uh, undertake. What's the trade-off there? Like, how does it work? Well, that no one is forcing you to enter into these contracts. And so uh, uh, trying to uh, get yourself to make the commitment that will actually be most beneficial uh, is, uh, is often difficult uh, to do. And uh, for to be very concrete, um, it's just well known by anybody that studies weight loss that many, many people can be successful on a diet for three or four months, up to six months. But it's also known that so, so many people regain the weight after the initial uh, success. And so, in fact, you don't need a commitment contract uh, to lose weight uh, for three months or up to six months. The place where a commitment contract is really important is uh, from six months to 12 months uh, or from 12 months uh, to 24 months. That's where uh, – and, and people – it's very hard to get people to enter into commitment contracts in that period uh, to sustain the weight loss, and and uh, uh, and so that's one of the barriers to long-term success. Mm. So, would you say? And I, I, I think 
it's usually the people who are driven towards success are the ones who are most likely to enter themselves into such binding contracts because they would want it the most. Um, and uh, it's almost like uh, people who really want to succeed the most are the ones who are actually going to put things on the line like this. Is that is that what you're seeing? Well, yes, uh, but there are people who, uh, what I would say is if you're, uh, uh, if you find that you uh, repeatedly set a goal and that uh, you're not making it by yourself, then you're a good candidate for uh, for a commitment contract to take some extra step uh, to follow through. So people with the best intentions think they're going to lose that uh, uh, five or ten pounds over the next two months and it doesn't happen and they think again and they think again and and if it does if you keep repeating the same uh failure then it's time to to take the next step okay yeah that makes sense so and and, and i think we talk a lot about weight loss or um, smoking, uh, some of the examples of commitment contracts. And I presume that's a majority of uh, the people who enter into commitment contracts. But what about, uh, this is where I think I, I want to understand really well, what about complex tasks? What about something like, in five years, if I do not have a net worth of $1 million, then I will give up $10,000 to my friends or something like that. Do those kinds of contracts really help or do they hurt? Because when it comes to something like that, when it comes to making money in an entrepreneurial venture, it's much more than just a simple act of not eating enough or working out more. Yeah, I don't think that would work very well. It's too much of an all or nothing over five years. It's better to break down into... Uh, uh, into subcomponents of success that would be steps along the way, uh, so that you can give yourself feedback of whether you're on the right path or not. Uh, one of the very cool things about uh, writing this book is that I was able to go and uh, reach out and and speak with um, our uh, users that uh, make their own uh, commitment contracts. We have a uh, uh, a, an option where there's just an open text box where you say, I commit to, and then fill in the box. And mm-hmm. the range of uh, of commitments that uh, we have on our website is just breathtaking. Some people commit uh, uh, not to play video games. Some people commit to get to the next level of Tetris. <laughs> uh, people make commitments to uh, get their dissertation proposal in, to file for divorce, uh, uh, it's a huge variety uh, of uh, human behaviors that people seek out uh, help on. Uh, it's often very colorful. I commit not to go to McVomits uh, uh, in the next three months. <laughs> All right. So, so going back to that idea you said, well, doing five years, all or nothing is too much. What if you break it down and say, well, within the next six months, I must have, um, I must add an additional $100,000 to my net worth. Is that a more reasonable way to go about it? Or does this really not work? Like what I'm trying to get at is there's, uh, there's this whole idea of breaking down your goals and chunking them so that they're easier, easily attainable. And that makes sense. We should do more uh, what we call proximal goals rather than distal goals. But at the same time, are certain tasks, certain cognitively complex tasks, just not good 
for such carrot and stick reward and punishment kind of behavior? Well, I still think that the uh, the output of $100,000 is not as effective as an input or as a descriptive matter. There's several people on our websites that said, I will make 50 cold calls, sales calls this next month, or I will lose $1,000. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's in your control. And uh, I at least can imagine, yes, there's reticence to uh, uh, anxiety to pick up a phone and call people. And uh, uh, But if you don't do it, you can't make money uh, in certain sales. And so the idea this is not... Uh, it's not a commitment to get a certain number of sales out of this. The sales calls could still fail or not, but you at least have made a commitment on on a quantifiable input. Uh, you know, you can't uh, you can't score if you don't get the ball above the rim. You can't make a sale if you don't make a call. And so, those are the kinds of of, of first steps. I think for some of the more complex uh, added. Uh, um, uh, behaviors, uh, maybe commitment contracts aren't going to be as effective as people that aren't doing the basic thing. They're not going to the dentist. Mm-hmm. They're not making the uh, cold calls. Those are the kinds of things that you can take action on if you find yourself procrastinating. Mm. So so what you're saying in, in, in execution and business execution, we talk about the lead measures versus lag measures. Lead measures are the ones that we have control over that we can take action on, but lag measures are actually the output of that. So you're saying we should put commitment contracts on lead measures so that we actually can control them, measure them, and actually do take effort, take action on them rather than lag measures where it's not always in our control. That's And, it, and I, can, I can imagine that sometimes you would uh, make commitment contracts tracks on lag measures, but you should uh, take into account uh, what are the chances of loss that are outside your control. The market may turn down uh, uh, in the interim something you may... Uh, uh, be, become sick, and uh, and in those circumstances, uh, I, I, you shouldn't take. People can overcommit by uh, taking on too much of a potential burden that is beyond their control. Mm-hmm. What and and in the book you talk about one of the most probably one of the greatest commitment contracts, which was when uh, um, uh, I think Cortez when he landed uh, to fight the Aztecs. He asked his warriors to burn the boats, right? Yes. <laughs> that is that is the ultimate commitment contract in some ways because at that point, you're all in or you're dead. That's right. And by the way, commitment contracts, they can have costs. Uh, if you, uh, but uh, ex post, uh, uh, sometimes you'll end up forfeiting. Uh, but uh, if well-designed, it, uh, the expectation is you'll you'll end up with a better result. Yeah, what I have found is that it's actually better to have a commitment contract with higher stakes rather than lower stakes. With lower stakes, I'm not motivated enough. With higher stakes, I have enough motivation to get it done. Well, and that's one of the reasons uh, when I uh, if you're gonna when I came up with my own diet, I picked a number that would actually hurt. Five hundred dollars uh, is uh, each week is a, a substantial uh, uh, hit to me. Now, for some people that, for Bill Gates, it might have to be a lot higher than $500. For other people, it might be $50. But figuring out 
a number that will really motivate you is uh, uh, one of the uh, aspects of getting a good incentive. Yeah, it's it's one of the aspects of a, a, a what I would say a really good commitment contract. And the other aspect that I found that I personally gravitated towards, and I found you guys talking a lot about in the book, which is the using the possibility of failure and humiliation in some ways. Like uh, you're telling your friends, you're telling the people who, if they found out that you failed on that promise, you would not like they, you would not want to be in front of them when they find that out. That's yeah. that's really motivating. And indeed, that's the biggest surprise in writing this book, that people uh, didn't use uh, this option of providing email addresses of friends and family uh, enough. Uh, that uh, uh, an example of this is a, uh, you know, there's a, a one user stick made a commitment uh, to go to church and it was working uh, and he, it was a commitment. He put money on the line. He had his girlfriend as his referee. It was working great for, uh, I think, about three months. And then something came up, and he missed uh, going to church. And he and his girlfriend lied to the website because uh, <laughs> they didn't want to lose the money. Uh, he admitted this to me. A little bit interesting. Here's a guy that believes in an omniscient God who's uh, God would know that that didn't scare uh, scare him into uh, uh, into compliance. But I think his big mistake is he didn't give the email addresses of five or six members of the church, including his priest. If he had, uh, uh, it would have been too humiliating for him to lie and say he went to church when he in fact didn't. And uh, uh, so. Uh, uh, in order to have a good incentive, it's yes, put money on the line. But this is a one of the big, big ideas uh, of of carrots and sticks is that other people matter. Okay. That uh, they matter because we care about what they think about us, and yeah. so letting them know whether you've succeeded or not, or whether failed, that can be uh, as big a motivational factor as the potential loss of money. Absolutely. That could be as big or even bigger. I mean, our brains are wired to survive in a social situation and keep, you know, keep our uh, sense of self intact. So when we make a promise and we don't deliver on that promise, our sense of self gets questioned in that moment. And that is a big deal. It's almost like a survival uh, uh, question when we, when we do something like that. So it really is very motivating. And the flip side is when we come through and we do uh, keep our commitments, we feel uh, good about ourselves. Uh, we're consistent with our self-view. Yeah, yeah, it, it, when, yeah, exactly. And it grows. And over time, we're able to take on bigger and bigger challenges when that happens. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, willpower because I know willpower is tightly related to commitment contracts. Even though um, it's in in and Roy Baumeister, I'm not sure if you're you probably are familiar with sure. his research. Yeah, I think he talks about the idea of outsmarting yourself, and a lot of it is to do with creating contracts with yourself or with social, like putting money on the line or putting some sort of um, you know um, a social commitment on the line because that. L- lowers the need for our willpower to be used in that moment. Mm-hmm. That, that's right. And I, I, I really like his research, this idea of thinking of willpower as a muscle that can be strengthened uh, uh, through training is, I think, a very powerful 
uh, metaphor. And, and the idea of using commitment contracts, it is a way I find of preserving uh, willpower. Mm-hmm. I, in, in some sense, I don't have to struggle because I put it in a different mental box. Well, I'm just going to do this because I have to now. And, and I, instead of struggling over the, the uh, behaviors that I can choose or not choose. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's one of those things where when you have um, – when you it's almost like as you say it's fortifying your willpower it it basically adds to or or you it doesn't when you have to do something in that moment when you have to make a choice whether you're going to break your um, whether you're going to follow through or not um the reserves of willpower are not really taxed because you have another source or another um thing there which is the commitment contract that the the fear of losing money or fear of losing face is actually going to keep you from using your willpower and you know for it's it's interesting willpower is very much behavior specific for for me i don't have a trouble uh, procrastinating on uh, grading student papers but i procrastinate terribly on doing my uh, taxes each year Mm. Other professors, it's just the opposite. They're great at doing their taxes, but they have trouble uh, grading the papers on time. And so it's rare to find humans that are uh, have willpower on every dimension of their life. Uh, and uh, and so one of the values of stick is it can help you shore up those whatever those areas where you need help. Yeah, even the great Benjamin Franklin. And then, and then he, he failed at it. He said, well, I couldn't really follow through on my commitment to uh, work on these 13 virtues day in and day out. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about that a lot in the book as well. Um, um, so let's, let's, uh, let's talk about, again, I, I want to go back to the initial idea we started off with, which was carrots and sticks are like kind of an external motivation. But there are tasks that require internal motivation in the sense intrinsic motivation right yeah. and in those tasks it's as are you saying it's not advisable to use carrots and sticks or advisable to use carrots and sticks only for lead measures i think that's right uh there's there're going to be some tasks that you'll want uh you'll feel cheapened by uh the external uh motivation that uh uh, and so, for example, um, I have there's another uh, person that made a special contract to call her grandmother uh, weekly uh, and put money on the line. It worked wonderfully for her, improved her relationship with her grandmother before her grandmother died. But it was she wouldn't want the grandmother to know about the contract because it would be embarrassing to the relationship to know that it was external. But there is this subtle issue. Uh, about what constitutes an external motivation because people need to take action to uh, to create a stick contract they need to be internally mo- intrinsically motivated in order to sign up for a contract mm-hmm. and in some context when when we uh, um, when we think of people taking the step to get married that's it takes intrinsic motivation to do that but the wedding band and the promises of a wedding, that's uh, extrinsic motivation not to stay faithful to your spouse. And so sometimes we valorize uh, the choice to make a durable commitment uh, 
Um, and we think it's in fact not as uh, um, serious a relationship if you choose on a moment-to-moment basis to be faithful. Uh, in some ways, stick contracts are another form of, of marriage commitments. It takes a kind of uh, intrinsic motivation to sign up for a durable commitment. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's a little bit different than when your employer imposes uh, or a professor imposes a, uh, an extrinsic incentive on you. This is one that you have to choose uh, in, as being by your own lights good for you. Hmm. So it's almost like even though you are intrinsically motivated enough to create an extrinsic motivation for yourself. That's it. <laughs> and and so when is that? Uh, uh, and uh, but there are sometimes still that the we want to know I did it without signing up for a stick contract. I was able to uh, uh, remember my. Uh, anniversary. I was uh, uh, I was able to follow through and do this uh, just on my own. Mm. Um, uh, now, by the way, I, I have a friend, a professor, who was uh, procrastinating on his grades, and I said, "Well, sign up for a stick contract. You'll do it." He said, "No, no, I want to do it myself." And he missed another week, and then he said, "Well, if I don't do it next week." I, I'll, I'll sign up for a stick contract. And so even without him using us, we were helping him because we were the fail-safe. And since he knew he didn't want to use a stick contract, by promising to use it if he didn't do it on himself, uh, we, I think we actually helped him get his grades in. <laughs> yeah, and going back to the idea you said where, you know, there are times when you don't want to use the stick as a way to... Uh, get the outcome it could be something as simple as staying faithful in your marriage you don't want a stick contract for that because that would sound that you're already on the wrong track yes <laughs> yeah that, that makes so much sense um now let's uh let's talk about i think one of the one of the fundamental ideas which kind of define um human behavior and cause the stick or carrots and stick to be a reality which is hyperbolic discounting right Yes. Because when we have this possibility of immediate gratification, we're willing to give up a high, much higher reward in the future. How does this tie into the whole sticks and reward, like carrots and sticks? Sure. It's one of the reasons it's, it's hard to uh, not eat that last piece of chocolate cake uh, to save it for uh, dinner time. Uh, it's uh, uh, as a... Um, as a, you're, we're particularly tempted uh, by uh, uh, taking short-term gains that are just right in front of us. And the, the classic example is you ask people, uh, would you prefer $200 in six months or $300 in seven months? Almost everybody says, oh, I'd, I'd rather have $300 in seven months. I wait one extra month and I get an extra uh, $100, sure. But if you ask people, would you like $200 now or $300 a month from now, about half the people say they uh, prefer $200 now. Mm. Uh, uh, that's, that's the temptation of immediacy, of, of the, the, uh, the power of the immediate. And it's why we give in to short-term temptations uh, over and over again and why we procrastinate. Oh, I'll just, I'd rather have that extra bit of leisure right now. I'll procrastinate just 10 minutes and then 10 minutes 
later you want to procrastinate again and it just gets pushed down. And so one of the ways of, of taking action against hyperbolic discounting or present biased uh, preferences is through stick contracts, which changes the cost of, of uh, uh, procrastination. And, and it actually uses another uh, psychological um, uh, result that losses, uh, loss aversion, losses loom large, and people are willing to do more to avoid losing $100 than they are to work to gain $100. Uh, yeah. And so Stick puts that money, that potential loss to work for you. Absolutely. We're, we're much more interested in uh, saving, uh, saving face in front of friends rather than try to look good sometimes because yes. that's way more critical to us. Yeah. Yeah. And the same, yeah, with money. So, so in terms of hyperbolic discounting, as you said, it's like we're fighting the inner Homer versus the inner Spock. Yes. Because <laughs> the inner yeah. Homer wants the, huh? Yeah. The inner Homer wants the donut and wants it now. Yeah. Uh, whereas the inner Spock, the more deliberative thinker says, gosh, if I wait and uh, only have one donut after dinner, you know, I'll, I'll be uh, leading a happier life on, uh, on whole. And uh, uh, it's hard to fight off the, the power of the homer. So stick contracts are another way to give your more deliberative self control over your behaviors. Yeah, I, I want to make it really visual for our listeners and just, just simplify the idea that hyperbolic discounting, it's really about your inner homer winning over your inner Spock. That's right. This uh, 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 Homer Simpson loves his donuts, and there's just no way you're going to uh, not stop at the donut shop or not eat the uh, all three of the donuts that are sitting there, even if you know that you know there are other people in the house, and it's better not to stop. Uh, you're going to be late to work. Uh, you're going to uh, add on fat to your belly. Yeah, so those are – that's right. You're going to add fat to your belly. So the uh, uh, this power of Homer Simpson, which is uh, uh, lives in all of us. In I all think, of us. Uh, that's, uh, that's one of the things that we're trying to take arms against. Absolutely, and it works. I have been a fan of stick.com. There's one feature I would request, and I hope you will consider where – you you allow us to email multiple people on the same thread rather than send individual um, oh, contracts. Because what happens is when I have multiple people who hear about it, mm-hmm. I have way more weight on my shoulders, and I like that. Yes, great. Yeah. I like uh, excellent suggestion. Yeah, so I, I've, I've been wanting to have that, and now I can talk to you, so here's my... <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, and in some ways, if we can like put it out on Facebook or something to broadcast to the world, even better. Because then I have twenty people signing up for it, and that means like I, I would much rather like I would have people betting against me, and that would be fun as well if I could find a way to do that. Well, one of the things that uh, is a step in that direction is we have, have a integration with this uh, Wi-Fi enabled uh, scale. That is uh, that's produced by Y Things. Mm-hmm. That is really quite remarkable. Uh, five minutes out of the box, I um, was able to not just connect it to the internet, but have it automatically send my weights uh, to uh, Twitter. And uh, indeed, if you go to, I think my I have a, uh, my 
I have a special Twitter weight uh, uh, account called Ian Weight <laughs> that uh, uh, whenever I step on the scale, it uh, it tweets out to the universe what I weigh. And this uh, talk about multiple feeds. Anybody there uh, that's listening can uh, sadly go on and find out if I'm slipping on my diet. I find it very motivational. <laughs> that is great. That is great. This, is, this has been so much fun, Ian. Um, but before we go, here at 2000 Books, we always say there's no learning without action. So I would like for you to give our listeners specific homework action items. And you being a professor at Yale, giving homework probably comes naturally to you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things you can do uh, is um, follow through. Other people matter so much uh, to keeping our commitments that you can help uh, your friends. If you have a friend that is uh, just uh, quit uh, smoking uh, uh, and after six weeks, you know, has uh, stayed smoke free, um, you should know there's still a 50% chance they're going to start up again. That's the overall statistics. And you can help by saying they're, they're so excited. And you say, look, uh, use, enter into a stick contract now not to smoke for the next uh, three months and put some money at risk. Oh, I don't, And often people will resist. I don't need it. Uh, I don't need to put it. I know I'm not going to smoke. Well, if you know you're not going to smoke, I tell you what. I'll give you, you, you should offer your friend, uh, I'll give you $100 uh, if you'll put uh, $300 at risk uh, mm -hmm. that is forfeited to me. And you say you don't need it, well, I'm just giving you $100 then. And this putting this $300 at risk is going to increase the chance that they uh, stay smoke-free. Or the same thing could be done with weight loss. People mm -hmm. are so excited after three months uh, but they're not willing to uh, make the next commitment. And you can all, actually, uh, I've had people, uh, I actually went on eBay and I got people to pay me $250 to make a commitment uh, to keep on stick. And and so if you actually offer to pay somebody, uh, one of your friends, you might help to keep them uh, uh, on the straight and narrow. That's great. That's great. Um any other any other pieces of homework or guidance before we uh, say before we part ways? Yeah, and it's to really think about these uh, lead uh, indicators, these inputs. Uh, uh, what are the uh, circumstances that uh, that you have been procrastinating on that you could take steps with, even if it's, uh, for example, with a, a will, if it's not to make a commitment to have the will completed. Make a commitment to call a lawyer. Uh, uh, that you can certainly can control, even if you can't control uh, how long that's going to take. And often just making that first call uh, steps you along the path to, uh, to completing your, uh, uh, your goal. Yeah, this ties, in, this ties in very nicely with uh, my discussion with uh, David Allen of Getting Things Done. And he talked about how like, in order to get things done, you know, that's probably one of the Bibles of productivity, but one of the challenges is that people think of the whole task rather than the next immediate step and only the next immediate step. That's great. And this and taking that that next that uh, step is something that that uh, commitment contracts are one of the things that can help you on that. Absolutely. 
Well, this is this is a lot of fun, Ian. Uh, where can our listeners find more of your research, find more of you, and get hold of you? Sure, at at ianairis.com, you can find all all my reading, and you could sign up for uh, email blasts about my uh, uh, research. Uh, uh, one thing that is uh, uh, soon to be posted up there, I have a, a experiment going at a gym in Amsterdam, which finds that there is a, a new kind of a, uh, incentive, a power to resisted temptation. We take some new gym members and we say, for today and today only, you can quit the gym and we'll give you all your money back plus 20%. Uh, and it turns out that they resist the temptation and then they end up going to the gym more. So even though we have incentivized them to quit the gym sooner, they end up uh, uh, not quitting and, and using the gym more. So sometimes uh, 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 there's a you might make some progress from resisted temptation. Mm, great, great. So you have uh, this research coming up online as well. Unitors.com is the place to go find you. Uh, well, thank you very much, Ian, for your uh, for the book and for all for this beautiful discussion. Oh, it's a pleasure speaking with you. So, my ambitious friends, I have two important questions for you. First off, are you just listening to these podcasts or are you really taking action on them? Because in this world, there are no results without action. The best thing you can do right now as you've listened to this podcast is to go download the free action guide of this interview at 2000books.com slash summary and start working on that action guide. Edgar Dale's research, which is now known as the cone of learning, has shown that one of the best ways to retain what you learn is to move from passive learning mode to taking action on the ideas. And that way you remember up to 90% of what you just learned even two weeks from now, compare that to 10% if you just read something. So don't let this time you invested in listening to this podcast go to waste. Go get the action guide for free at 2000books.com slash summary, or you can text the word summary to 44222, and we will send you access to the action guide. Okay, here's the second question I have for you. Are you a visual learner? Because I am. I'm a very visual learner, and I often find that the wonderful ideas I read or listen to get lost in my mind somewhere. A few days later, I just can't place them in my mind. So I started creating mind maps of everything I was learning. These mind maps make it really easy for me to get a big picture overview of a book and also zoom into the smallest possible details with a couple of clicks. Also, the ideas are visually laid out for me to see and hence they don't get muddled in my mind. You remember the old adage, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, I think these mind maps are the closest things to a picture of the book, a snapshot of the book. So if you would like to get this book's mind map for free, go to 2000books.com slash summary, or you can text the word summary to 44222, and we will send you the mind map. So a lot of you have asked me how I consume seven books a week. Well, I do read a lot, but I also listen to audiobooks when I'm driving, when I'm working out, when I'm running errands, when I'm out running. It's such a great use of my time. And not only that, I listen to the books at three times the normal speed. Yeah, it's 3x. So I consume a six-hour-long book in two hours flat. I just love Audible for that. And I've been using it for years now. 
And right now, you can give Audible a try by signing up for a free trial membership and get any audiobook in their library for free. And if you don't like it, just cancel the trial membership and you won't be charged anything. However, you still get to keep the audiobook forever for free. So to avail this offer, just head on over to 2000books.com slash free. That's 2000books.com slash F-R-E-E free. Well, until next time, my ambitious friends, go out and live a courageous life. <laughs>